Hey everybody, it's Jim Mallard here. Welcome to the Mallard Report. The Mallard Report is recorded in front of a live virtual audience on the Duck Pond. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, live. Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. One more thing before we start. Let me turn it over to my friend that you may know from Ancient Aliens and the Curse of Oak Island and many other things. Robert Clotworthy. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. On the Malliard Report, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the show are solely those of the hosts and guests, and not necessarily of Evergreen Podcasts, KillerPodcast.com, sponsor or affiliate, or any other individual or group. So I've been I've had this guest on before, and I'm working on a I've been working on a way all day to do the introduction. Um, of course, like I said, she's been on before, and she's a big part of my life. But I figured it out finally a little bit ago. Uh, in the honor of uh, Jim Cornette, the legendary uh, red, uh, WWE WCW writer uh, commentator, we're breaking kayfabe. We're breaking character around here. Uh, we're breaking down the fourth wall. I hope Jim appreciates that little acknowledgement he is he's listened to the show before he's actually got a good podcast on his own right if you're into wrestling stuff but not to say that i'm a character around here but normally you get me asking questions of a guest about whatever their life's about tonight you're going to get a little look like i said behind the curtain behind the wall the fourth wall we're going to break down a little bit of what goes on of my day-to-day life and then, and of course to do that i have to bring on my wife miss tabby mallard how are you doing tonight I'm doing okay. Um, anyone who's listening is going to hear that my voice is a little funny tonight, and that's part of what we're going to talk about too. Yes, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break that down. We're gonna break down a lot of things tonight. And uh, first things first, um, it's a fun it's a fun time. We kind of we talked about this probably six weeks ago, two months ago, about you coming on to talk about all these things, but. It just so happened that the date, the next date opened in my calendar, happened to fall between Father's Day and our our wedding anniversary. So we're coming up on our 16th year together, being a married couple, which seems ridiculous because I feel that was like yesterday. And it's been, listen to this, folks, it's been eight years since she's been on the program with us, and we didn't even delve into any of this stuff. And she still managed to get me fired twice the last time she was on. That wasn't on purpose. It was just, you know... Somebody didn't give me warnings before the interview started. Well, and and one of them, the other one was just fine. I mean, water under the bridge under both of them, and uh, we're, we're I'm at a great place now because of it. But that's not why we're here. We're and um, so we're not going to bring up all that old dirt. But tonight we're going to talk about some of the things. Now, you. Go ahead, and I want you to give the brief overview of some of the things that you've got going on before we get into the kids, because we've got to break this down into different people so everybody can understand a little bit more. So, some of the things that I've got going on are um, a mystery to some doctors, and other doctors uh, tell me I don't fit in the normal check off list um my voice right now is messed up because the joints in my body are all being attacked um as i have psoriatic arthritis and yesterday we found out 
um, my last option to start a drug that usually is used for chemo, methotrexate. So I'll be starting that soon in order to try to protect what joints are still viable. Um, I am legally blind because um, I have a rare condition called pseudotumor cerebi developed when I was nine years old, which meant I have a shunt that drains extra fluid from my brain. And before they put the shunt in, all the pressure did damage to my optic nerves. So I have very limited and restrictive tunnel vision. Um, And last time we talked to doctors, they said it's not when it's, it's not if it's when I go blind. Um, So it's kind of a, am I going to wake up with vision tomorrow kind of thing. So let's stop Um, you right. Let's stop you there for a minute. Uh, when we well, when we were first started dating, you told me a story about how the doctors predicted you'd be dead by the age of sixteen. Yeah. So there's that, and then when we first started dating, you also had a shunt put in. So yeah. talk about that for a second. We literally, um, I was working basically from uh, six a.m. until three a.m. at two different daycares. The one daycare did overnight care for parents who worked third shift. And I put too much stress on my body that was already sick. And I woke up uh, blind. And I was blind for about 48 hours. They did um, spinal taps to relieve the pressure. And I got my vision back. Um, Then... Um, they told me, seeing I had already had over a hundred spinal taps, I was risking damage to my spine, so it was time for a shunt. Now, I had just started talking to Jim, and the day we went out on our first date, I had found out that morning that within the next three days, I would be having brain surgery to put the shunt in. So that was what I had to tell him on our first date, was that I was having brain surgery so that I could keep my vision. Which was a bit, which was a bit trippy, I'll be honest. Um, it's nothing you ever want to hear, but uh, barely knowing somebody at that point was, uh, yeah, it was even wilder to even imagine being in that, those positions. Um, but fortunately, or Miraculously, you haven't had to have any uh, replacements of that, which is unheard of based uh, based off some of the conversations you've had with different neurologists and different neurosurgeons. Yeah, normally people um, need shunt replacements every year, every six months. It all depends on how hard their body fights against the shunt or how quickly it deteriorates. Um that is why some of the doctors are leading towards that there's a possibility that there's something else going on, which that part of the story includes the kids. So, um, and what we're kind of going through with some specialists right now. But um, I've had my shunt since 
um, 2005, I think it was. And um, that's, and I've not needed any repairs, any replacements. And if you've never had a VP shunt put in, let me tell you, that is still not long enough to get over the trauma of having one put in because it is shaving part of your head. And when you wake up, you're bruised from your skull down to your stomach because they run the tubing into your stomach under the skin to drain the fluid. So I'm glad I have not needed replacements. Yeah, it, it was not um, a fun process for sure. So well, let's talk a little bit about the uh, gray area that you find yourself in, though because I think this will be fascinating for some people out there about how it isn't ever cut and dried because some people will say one thing and then somebody else will say another and then you'll get a test done that is right on the edge of being right for either of them. So I think it was 2018 we started to notice that I was getting weaker and I was having more issues with my mobility and things like my voice right now which this isn't how I normally talk um were happening and we would notice my right eye would close fully and I couldn't get it open um I started having trouble swallowing where You know, it was, there were scary moments when I just swallowed water. So my neurologist at the time said she thought I had myasthenia gravis. I fit all the symptoms and they sent me for treatment, which meant four days in the hospital doing IVIG or IgG, which is immunoglobins. And I would spend about eight hours a day hooked up to this treatment and by day four I was annoying them to let me get out of there and I was feeling a whole lot better um which that was classic recovery time for IVIG but when for my IVIG with my senior but um when I did the blood test I never showed a positive result for a blood test and my nerve testing was always borderline. They thought for a while that I was just having a reaction to having Botox for my migraines because that's a side effect of pseudotumor is these debilitating migraines and I was getting Botox for them and when it came to the point where my neurologist didn't know what to do anymore because um, I was showing all these symptoms, but the specialist she was sending me to weren't agreeing. Um, I guess I should mention at one point my veins became so bad from having IVIG every four weeks that I needed a, a port put in. Um, nobody knew what to do or how to help me and I had the port put in 
then I had treatment done because just having the surgery sent me over the edge and I was right-sided weakness again. And I wound up within 72 hours of treatment. I had gone home and within 12 hours I was back in the hospital because my site where my port was was swollen and I wound up transferred to another hospital and that that next morning I was in surgery because I had developed sepsis in my port which was connected to my heart. So when I got home from being treated for sepsis, I also came home to a letter from my neurologist telling me she was firing me as a patient because she couldn't do any more for me. So the neurologist I have now calls me his problem child because I have these symptoms, but we can't figure out what they are. And um, I'm working with actually now with the kids and their stuff going on, which we'll talk about later. We are working with genetics at Children's Hospital to figure out what is going on. Yeah, so there is a um, interesting connection there. So let's. I feel like we're missing something about you, though. I'm trying I'm to figure. Not out, sure. I'm trying to figure out what it is, but um, yeah, it's been a wild road of you. So, well, if you you ready to get into the kids? Then I'm assuming. Stop talking about you because I know that's always uncomfortable for you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so. What most people don't realize is when the show's not on (laughs) and day-to-day, Jim has to make sure we get to our appointments and our therapies um, because I can't drive. Um, And we like to add, we like to say that if it's not chaos, it's not our life. Um, because we've had many people that know us personally say they don't know how we can manage with everything we've got going on. Now, we live, say, about two hours from Children's Hospital. And some months we're just down there two or three times. Um, then there's some months where we're dead children's. What was the highest number? Probably 15. Yeah, somewhere in there. It was quite a bit. That 15 month. times in one month. Um, so, I guess I can start with our oldest. Yeah, that'd probably, um, be, that'd probably be the place to start. <laughs> Skyler, he is our uh, 15-year-old. That's crazy to say. <laughs> um, but... He is on the autism spectrum. Spectrum. He is higher functioning. He has sensory processing, selective mutism. Um, we recently found out he has a severe allergy to dairy to the point where it causes anaphylactic reaction in the esophagus. He was our our. Um, 
a non-problem child <laughs> until he was about 10. And then he stood up one day and fell back down and he wasn't able to walk. And that led to six months of trying to figure out what was going on. And he wound up getting pins in his hips and then spent two years learning how to rewalk and gaining the confidence to walk without a walker or cane. At the time, they thought he had something called skiffy, um, which is slipped capital femoral ephesis. Um, but now that we know what we know, and I'll get into that, <laughs> we figured it could just be what happened to him was a part of the bigger condition they have. Um our daughter, Bella. Oh, hold on, hold on. For those of you out there who are trying to develop a mentor picture of what our children look like, Skyler is a dead rigger for me, except his hair is massive compared to mine. Uh, literally the same build, the same height, and same voice tone, and working on the same sense of humor. So for anybody out there who feels sorry for my wife, you should, because I've raised my clone. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Okay. Um, I can't see anything if anyone's asking anything. I, I got you. Don't worry. Okay. Um, Bella, we call her the diva because her birthday was supposed to be January 16th. We had the C-section planned. I mean, February 16th. We had the C-section planned. And she decided she wanted to make an appearance on January 22nd. She is 12 years old. Um, she came into the world causing trouble. Uh, she wound up on a ventilator. We wound up in the NICU for a while. And then over the course of the first year of her life, we had a couple incidents, incidences of her not breathing and to the point where like everybody knows when you pass away your body relieves itself reacts that's what her body did because she was not getting air and it she was clinically dead for a few seconds um nobody could figure it out and it wasn't until she was 11 months old and i demanded somebody do some testing that ENT and gastro did a scope on her and found out that not only did she have a narrowed airway, which is called subglottic stenosis, her airway was about 92% closed, but her aorta ran across her trachea. So every time her heart beat, her trachea was closed even more. And if she was sick, that means it could get stuck, and that's where she was stopping breathing was when it got stuck. So, for her first birthday, she had an aorta pexy. They tacked the aorta up to the chest wall to keep her trachea safe. That led to two years of croup every six weeks. Um, major illnesses, a simple cold turned into pneumonia for her. We wound up in the hospital more than in the doctor's office more than we were at home. At her second, around two years old, they decided to do a 
very massive surgery called a larynx tracheal reconstruction, which they would take ribbon cartilage and reform her trachea to make it a better airway. It was only supposed to be 15 days in the hospital, but again, Bella had to show off, and she wound up 15 days in a coma, and we were in the hospital a total of 29 days. Um, Her little body was fighting through the medicine, so she wasn't healing properly. It took a year for her to really recover from that surgery, and then more things kept popping up as we went along. And some of the things that popped up, you know, it stumped the doctors because one of them was periodic fever syndrome, which wasn't a normal thing for a child like Bella to get. It was mainly a disease that children of Middle Eastern descent got. This meant that like clockwork, every third week of the month for about seven days to 10 days, Bella would have fevers that ranged from 103 to 100 pool baths and to be monitored. This led to her having to get her tonsils and adenoids removed in order to help stop that process. Um, In all, we believe the number of procedures and surgeries and any time Bella's been under anesthesia is about 26 times in her 12 years. Um... It wasn't until 2019, I think it was, that a rheumatologist said she believed that Bella and Skyler had hypermobility Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a connective tissue disease and causes all the connective tissue in their body to not work correctly. So Bella... She's my, she simos on her ankles because she likes to dislocate her ankles very easily. Um, she has knee braces because her knees go out of t type and wrote her wrist subluxed. Uh, this past year, she subluxed her shoulders twice and pulled the muscles in her back just from bending over and from sneezing. Skyler has dislocated his shoulder and put it back into place himself and asked me why I had to make him go to the hospital to get it checked. Um, so about February this year, how uh, we were sent to genetics at Children's Hospital to be dissected is what I call it because we had so many tests done The doctor was looking at every aspect, Um, and it's a really invasive process because they measure the size of each of your ears at the distance of your eyes. They take down every single symptom you've ever had, Um, and they're trying to put all the pieces together to figure out what is going on and why me and the kids have these illnesses. And we still don't know. Mm-hmm. And the hard part is, I think every time we think we'll get closer to an answer, we get two more questions. Yeah. We, during this testing, we found out that Bella and Skylar, both their bones in their bodies 
are two years older than their chronological age. So Bella's bones are measuring at a 14 years and six month old, six months old compared to her 12 years and six months. And Skylar's are, are measuring a 17 years and four months old, which he's only 15. Um, they found that Bella has enlarged kidneys. So now she has a new specialist that she follows with to make sure that there's nothing going on with her kidneys. Skylar, um, he's five foot nine. He's a big kid, but he eats once a day because he can't handle any more meals. And they found that he has a few things going on with his stomach which with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, the biggest fear is gastrophoresis, and that's where the stomach is paralyzed, and that's what we're trying to avoid. So at this point, I want to throw out a couple of notes, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you. Um, this obviously has impacted our children's education, but we're not talking about that tonight. Uh, I've got a couple shows planned in the future, which, again, as people know around here, I like to delve off into different topics. Uh, the one guest I have planning on coming on is Sharon Snelder of the uh, PA Families for Educational Choice. She'll be on back to school time to talk about how important school choice is, and uh, obviously I'll be able to throw two cents in on that conversation. So I want to make sure we're clear about that. We're not getting into that tonight because that's uh, a whole other can of worms that obviously has factored in. And like I said, you'll be looking forward to that come August. So... But that is an important note at this point. But the other note about this, I guess we need to talk about is me at this point. Because for the longest time, um, I was immune to all of these uh, fun things. And then fall of 2019, I decided to throw myself into the ring for the candidate for the biggest problem in the household. Uh -oh. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, well, I, I think most of them know I have my, had my thyroid removed, but do you want to go ahead and um, tell them about surgery day? Because I don't think any of them have heard that story before. So, Jim's surgery for his parathyroid was his very first surgery. And when we were in pre-op, I told them this is his first surgery. And they asked if there was any anesthesia reactions in the family. And I said, me and my daughter get very nauseous. My son gets combative or very weepy. I said, I'm not sure what he will do. Just, you know, want to give you a heads up. And they kept telling me it was okay because they have big men in the OR and they know what they're doing. And I was like, okay. And I talked to the doctor and he said it was going to be a three-hour surgery and that was about it. And I said, okay. We got to hour four, and I asked the nurse if they had heard anything. She said no. Hour five, I saw the doctor go running by the waiting room, and I started to panic. Um, he came back to me about 20 minutes later, told me that there was some complications, and that's why the surgery took longer. And I asked him what. He said, well, we'll get up into it up in the room. And when I got to Jim's room, he was a mess. <laughs> and the doctor told me that they turned their back to him for not even 
20 seconds in order to prep him to leave the OR. And in his, his surgery days, he ripped open all the stitches in his throat and ripped his IV out. And they had to do an emergency repair. And I said, I thought I told you to keep an eye on him. I'd like, you know, I had mentioned. And the doctor said, yeah, I guess you were right. <laughs> and for those of you who are watching on the video, you'll see me rubbing my shirt line because that's where the scar is. And it is when it gets hot out because of the mess that I managed to make of it. It gets really uncomfortable. So that's why you see me rubbing my neck. Just for the record. Not because I'm disgruntled or just trying to make the point that I had. No, it just really gets uncomfortable because of how the shirt rubs on that site. So, <laughs> there's that bit of fun. So, I'm sorry. Um, anything else you want to talk about health-wise before we ramble into some other stuff we got going on here? Well, I know you said you're going to talk about the school choice stuff later. Mm -hmm. But um, I do want to mention that because of it. Because of COVID, um, we had already switched to uh, Cyber Charter Academy before COVID started. But with COVID, it was a high risk for my kids who have a weakened immune system. Um, it was a very scary, you know, it's been very scary still. Um, most people understand that COVID is, they think COVID is this or that. Well, COVID in my household means if I get it, I'm admitted to ICU because I can't get vaccinated because we tried and I almost died from the vaccine. Um, Bella, if she gets it because her immune system is also very weak, it means automatic admittance to Children's Hospital ICU for observation because she won't be able to fight it off. Skylar is a little bit of a stronger immune system. You know, he hardly gets sick. And we joke that's because, you know, not many autistic kids get colds that make them sick. So we joke that his autism is his superpower and protects him. Um, but for the last two years, it's been watching where we're going, watching who's coming in the house, uh, trying to keep things as normal as possible. And then poor Jim had to deal with the invasion of the new animals in the house that happened over the last two years. We've We've collected quite a zoo, um, and it's helped not only the kids, but myself and Jim won't admit it, but he has enjoyed, you know, the mental health aspect of having the pets and their personalities and how they behave have helped us all get through, you know, the scariness of COVID. Yeah, so uh, before we get into the animals, because I know you want to get into that, because it's exciting to you, <laughs> and uh, we don't go too far without talking about animals, um, were you at the appointment that I talked to our PA about the COVID vaccine? I don't think so. Uh, she was, a I'm assuming she was a listener of the show, because she kind of knew that I had some conspiracy, conspiracy traits to me, 
And um, I said, so give me the honest the truth about this vaccine. And she looked at me and said, I can treat the, sim- the side effect tr- uh, symptoms quicker than I can treat COVID in you. And I said, well, we're going to get the vaccine now. So. That's and what... we went we went to get the vaccine. I got a, one the first shot. Jim got his shot. He was fine. I wound up with massive swelling on my arm. My joints turned into what felt like glass. Every time I took a step, it felt like my bones shattered. And it wasn't just like a week. This lasted four weeks. I was bedridden, and then one day in June, I woke up, and I told Jim I was going back to bed, but he said we were going to the hospital because the entire right side of my face was drooping, and I couldn't move my right arm or right leg, and I was not, my speech was even worse than this, and I wound up in the hospital for four days. Uh, being treated with IVIG and watched for stroke symptoms. They they cleared that I didn't have a stroke, but it was determined that I could not get any more vaccines because I have always had some sort of reaction to a vaccine. And this was the catalyst to the fact that I have issues with vaccines and my body does and I can't get them. And so I have even less protection than the normal person does. Which is scary to think about, but we don't try to think about things like that around here. Um, so here we go. Talk to me. Tell me. Okay, let's start. Let's start with the um, the oldest animal in the house, which is the. Oldest. It's a turtle, correct? Yes. Tell um, them. Tell them how you came to acquire this particular turtle. No, this is the. Uh, well, yeah, this is the one. Well, this is one of a few that we acquired. Um, when me and Jim were dating, because I was not allowed to go back to work, I was declared permanently disabled after my brain surgery. Um, and nobody wants to hire someone who can only see two feet directly in front of them. Um... I was playing a lot of Sims while Jim was at work, and we were driving one day, and there was this little tiny pet store that said, Turtles for Sale. So we stopped, and we bought two turtles, red-eared sliders, and when we were checking out, there was this noise tapping at the register, like the stand the register was on. And I said, what is that? And the guy lifted a sheet up, and in a glass tank under the register was a cobra. Um, we got the turtles home. We were talking about this situation the whole way. They were no bigger than a dime. Yeah, they were small. Um, and we thought one was six, so I went to call the pet store and didn't get an answer. And then we found out that they had been raided because they were had an illegal breeding operation for snakes, poisonous snakes, alligators, all sorts of stuff at this pet shop. So we had 
are two turtles that I called Mikey and Leo. Leon. No, sorry. Leo. Mikey, Leo. And then I had to change Mikey's name to Donatello because we acquired another turtle from my aunt. And at the time, my, that turtle was about 25 years old. Um, so at one point, we had three red-eared spiders. And, you know, one passed away. And then we had just the two. Mikey, the older one, he died two years ago. And now we have Leo still. But my daughter calls him Sunflower. <laughs> He's been reading. Um, he... We'll let you know when he's hungry because he'll throw his shell against the glass until you feed him. Uh, the next animal would be Lance. Lance, our dog, who is a pit Rottweiler lab mix. He's 110 pounds of goofball. Um, and then you get into the interesting animals. <laughs> so we have two leopard geckos, uh, Hagrid and Eagles. We have two bearded dragons. One's name is Baby Girl. And one's name is Sir Plumpy the Grumpy. And we also have five pet rats. Luna, Sky, Sunny, Celeste, and Mars. Um, and we also have an axolotl named Captain Jack. And the cool thing is Bella has taken to breeding the insects that feed the reptiles. Jim has started kind of a worm farm to grow worms to feed our axolotl. And we've been playing around with growing the uh, lettuce and all that for the animals in the house because our spoiled animals get fresh food every day. The rats get two meals and the dragons get one meal a day. So, yeah, our house is pretty interesting between appointments, therapies, and animal care. Yeah, and I have had no success growing anything, just for the record, um, which frustrates me to no end. But uh, we'll get there. Uh, but the worms are doing well, for those of you who are wondering. Um, I started with a thousand from a, a great, uh, well, I, I'm gonna give, I can't remember the farm's name, but they're out near St. Louis. And they um, compost food out there, out of restaurants, and they grow flowers. And basically, um, in trade for compost, they uh, give these restaurants flowers. And they are doing marvelous work out there. They save seven tons of food from landfills out there, which is just mar remarkable to believe. Um, they are doing that. So, big shout out to them. I wish I could remember their name, but I wasn't obviously thinking about looking that up before the show because... A lot of other things were on the list before that. Um, so, Germantown Runner, you know, uh, wants me to ask you some questions. You ready for these? Uh, what do you think about the longevity of the show? What do you think about the show in general? I guess I should ask you that first question. I like to joke and say it's, it's his weird thing he's obsessed with because I am the one who is obsessed with the care of the animals. So for as much as I know about, you know, treatment of the animals and, you know, keeping track of appointments and stuff, he does that for his show. So it's kind of like, and I guess this goes into the school 
the school choice thing as well, you know, and when it comes to the kids, I do a lot of inner working school stuff and he does the outer publicity stuff promoting school choice. So it's kind of like that to me where we each have our own special um, area of focus that we I like to say, I think I succeed at, and I know he succeeds at his show and has had some very interesting and amazing guests that, you know, are somebody I would never think that I would be able to talk to and he gets to talk to, so. And one of your good friends was a guest on my show. Yes. Well, thanks for finding out, like, about her book and stuff. We've become best friends, so, and then she was on your show. Um, Lindsay Ann Kendall, she's an author out of the UK. She writes amazing books and I became a fan of hers. And then I hooked her up with doing an interview with Jim and we've been best friends. Me and Lindsay have been best friends since. So that kind of answers the next, I, I kind of did it on purpose because one of the next questions was, uh, the, do you ever suggest topics for the show? To, and, uh, I'll answer, the answer is not as much as people would think. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if there's something, well, something massively important that's affecting us that I know would affect others, sometimes I'll be like, hey, can you get so-and-so on? Like, when we were dealing with some major stuff, I told him it was time to have, I'm going to say his name wrong because of Bella. <laughs> David Proden. Yes. So Bella calls him, and if he hears this, I'm sorry. But oh, he knows. Bella calls Bella calls him Dr. Pierogi. Um, but, you know, I said, hey, maybe you should get him back on so other people can hear, you know, kind of what we're living through and how it should, how it's affecting not only teachers, but children in schools. Um, I asked about doing this show because I think it's worth you guys knowing that you know, on top of the many hours he spends promoting his show, looking for guests, talking to guests, he's not only helping take care of us and getting us to appointments and making sure, like, things that I can't do or the kids can't do are done around the house. He's also um, working in the community. He is a vice president on a board, I mean, president on a board um, that works with pre-K children and helps, you know, so many different ways with that organization. He spends hours a day working on a show, helping us, working on the organization stuff. I mean, it's, he's not just some of these typical radio show hosts who they do research three hours before the show and do the show. You know, there's a lot he has to do to go into it. And sometimes I help, but, you know, there's a lot of times that my body tells me my day is going to be sleeping. So I'll have to, we'll have to, I'll have to get into the organization at some point too. We'll break down that fourth wall at some point, but I don't think we have enough time to get into that tonight. Um, yeah. Cause we got some other interesting points up. Uh, Tell us about paranormal investigations you did together. Did you like doing them? And are you a believer in the paranormal? Which is an interesting question. And I'm going to double down and say that 
just for the record, throw out that you were interested in the paranormal before me. Go ahead. Answer the yeah, question. I've been... I've been interested in paranormal for a long time. I'm one of those people that always has weird things happening to me um, or around me. Um, there, the investigations we did, I, I liked them. Some of them I didn't when I came home with scratches or bruises or, you know, that one investigation we did, I was slapped across the face um, by something I couldn't see. And that panicked me a little. But we went back and investigated that place two more times. Um, I think one of my favorite was when we did a pre-investigation at Hotel Conneaut before our live radio broadcast. And we sat there and watched every door on the third floor not only open, but slam shut in front of us. There is nine of us standing with our backs against the windows. And we watched as they all felt like opened and shut like dominoes down the entire floor. Um, the night we did the live radio broadcast investigation, we had a lot of things happen. So it was pretty cool. Um, but my favorite part of this skating was when we could help families with kids understand what was going on. Um, because, you know, our son has seen things. He's scared quite a few people, my mom included. Um, he informed her one night when we were at one of, at another place we lived that she was in trouble and she better go downstairs. And he used a nickname that only my grandma used. My grandma died when I was 16 and said that Grammy wanted you downstairs right now and that you were in trouble because you were being mean to her baby. And he took my mom downstairs and stood in front of a rocking, like a rocking recliner at our apartment and pointed to it and said, she's right there and you're in trouble and it freaked my mom out so bad he um also made us call my mom one night and he was yelling at her telling her there's a fire to get out of the house and she assured him she was okay she had scared him he had scared her so bad she got up and checked everything in the house and about an hour later about three miles, was it north of her? No, south of her, between us. Yeah. Two, like three miles south of her, a house imploded. And the people literally got out of the house just in time before the house imploded. So, and he, he used to visit her at work and it got to the point where they knew if he stopped in a room... They were going to have problems with that room that night because she worked at a hospital transitional care. And even one lady that worked with my mom stepped in front of a room when she saw Skylar coming. And she said, I'm not ready. And Skylar looked at her dead in the eyes and said, not time. And kept on walking. The lady in the room was the nurse's grandma. So... 
I've always found it interesting and found it very um, big part of our life. I joke that because of what's going on with Bella and Skylar, we have a lot of travelers that come in our house from our family, including um, another investigator who is my best friend, Ashley. I joke she's here a lot causing trouble, and I also ask her to make sure she's watching the kids whenever we have surgery. And I keep hoping one day she'll let me know what's really going on on the other side is what I say when I talk to her. Uh, just when I'm speaking out to her in moments that I miss. So. So let's, let's talk about some other fun investigation facts here. Maybe they're not so fun for you, but uh, I, I've got to talk about the, the Riverside. God rest its soul. Um, it's since burned down, so I feel at liberty to talk about it now. It's developed into something else now. Uh, but that first night we were there, sitting by that fireplace. Well, actually, down the breezeway where it was calm as could be, and those glasses started clanging. Mm-hmm. That was where um, we went into the ballroom, and we weren't even in there for like three minutes, and I got slapped. It was, you could see the handprint on my face. And we later found out that I kind of looked similar to one of the traveling acts that had been at the Riverside um, during its days as a, a miracle spot, I guess you could say. People yeah. came by train for the healing waters. Yeah, the mineral waters. In case you're wondering, this town has located halfway between New York City and Chicago via train, so it was quite the destination back in the early part of the 19th, 1900s, so that's why it was an interesting place. Now, you don't have any part of this story, but it's, it's an interesting phone call that I had to make to you, and I'm sure that the listeners out there will appreciate part of this moment in time that I had. Um I took a couple of team members to Ohio for an investigation and a little bit of, um, how do I say this, goofing off, so to speak, uh, investigation and a little bit of free time there. But before we got to the goofing off part of it, I got a phone call and we took off in the middle of the night to West Virginia. Approximately. You were forgetting part of that conversation. Yeah, that's why I'm t- I want you to tell the rest of the story because I don't do this story any justice. I was at home with our son who was three and our daughter who was two months old and I was still recovering from my c-section and I get a phone call that they were leaving Ohio for Weston West Virginia no Kaiser West Virginia and I said what and he said, yeah, we we got a call that there's a demonic issue and people's lives are in trouble and we're headed down. And I said, great to know at 1130 at night when well, I got it. Was, it wasn't 1130 at night, by the way, that call came in. Yeah, it was. No, it was later than that. Anyway, okay. It well, was, was 130. 
I said, great, I'm here with your three-year-old and two-month-old. Have fun. So I wound up having to call somebody to come over because at the time we were living in a house that had enough activity of its own that I didn't want to be there anyways. So I had uh, my mom, I think, came over and stayed with me while he was off chasing things and Kaiser, West Virginia. So uh, you mentioned Weston. Then. We should probably talk about Weston for a minute um, because that's an interesting point. In our Well, we talked about health earlier. Uh, we did not talk about any of the other funds. Well, I guess that was fun, though. Let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about Weston, West Virginia. That is where Appalachian Glass is. I, I hope they're still in business. I haven't looked in a while. But um, you want to fill in the listeners about that was uh, we did a lot of things on that trip, and you can get into that. But that probably was the best thing we did that on that trip. Yeah, that was we found that place because at one point it was believed that Bella wouldn't make it past three years old. Um, her doctors gave her a makeless trip, and because of my shunt, we didn't know if I could fly because some people with shunts are fine. Other people, their shunts malfunction in the air. So we drove from Pennsylvania to Florida. We found Weston, which is West Virginia by accident. Um, we went to Appalachian Glass. This is a father and son business that also had a post office and a little store in it. They did hand-blown glass pieces. They let the kids come and roll the the glass and the heat. We got to watch how they formed things. Then the son gave Bella two glass kisses. Hershey, like they look like Hershey kisses, but they were swirled in different colors and told her one was for her and one was for her to give somebody who needed it on her trip. And she wound up giving it to another little girl um, at Disney when we were there. And told her that she wished her happiness as she gave it to her. Um, so, I mean, it was the things we saw when we were driving were pretty interesting. And it was a really amazing trip. It was tiring because Jim had to do all the driving. <laughs> but it was um, just fun to, like, forget doctors, forget anything. And just have a week where we could just be happy and having fun and seeing the kids smile as they got to meet their heroes that they saw on TV. Yeah. Probably the other, well, there's two things that come to mind when I think about the trip. It was the half mile, I don't want to say half mile, it seemed like half the park of Disney to go back and meet Goofy for Skyler because he wanted to do that and somehow we missed doing that while we were over in that corner of the park at Disney and then being able to stop at Daytona and um, having my picture taken with the kids with Dale Jr.'s car after being there years earlier and having my picture taken with Dale Sr.'s car uh, I seen that uh, Geo Observation has his DEI mug up tonight which was kind of funny because uh, kind of fitting that I'll throw that story in on top of all the um, all the other stuff we've talked about tonight so there we go Are there any more questions that you have? Oh, oh yes, there's always more questions. You should be familiar with the duck pond by now. Uh, 
typically towards the end of the show, and we're almost there, but we're, it, it's a little early for this question, but I'll ask it now because it was asked to make sure I asked you. Uh, favorite breakfast? It said cereal, but uh, I know you're not a cereal person, so we'll just go breakfast. I don't really do breakfast. <laughs> but if you were if you were forced to gun to your head to have breakfast... I think, well, I'll go with my dream breakfast. The one thing I want to do in life <laughs> um, is someday I want to go to Scotland and Ireland. I have family ties to Scotland. There's actually a town named after my family in Scotland. And I want to go someday to that area of the world and have a proper, full English breakfast. So Gia wants me to ask you what my favorite breakfast is because nobody else in the world could answer that. Well... The only thing I see him get normally when we're traveling and have to get breakfast is sausage burritos from McDonald's. It's a burrito no matter where we go. If it's Burger King or McDonald's, it's a burrito. And for the record, Burger King has much better burritos. Just in case anybody needed to know that. <laughs> Not that McDonald's... There goes McDonald's cringe. You know, anyways. Oh, no. <laughs> Anybody else? Last call for questions as we've got just about two minutes left in the program. Um, I know this isn't his normal show stuff, but like I said, I kind of wanted you guys to see kind of what he deals with when the camera and the radio aren't on. I think we answered the age-old question, why don't I do more shows tonight, finally. I think that kind of clears this up finally. Yeah, there's some there's some days we leave here at six a.m. and we don't get back until eleven o'clock at night because we've been at children's for appointments and testing all day. Germantown runner, tell us something about the duck master we may not already know about him. I don't know because you're an open book with all of them. Yeah, see, that's what people uh, that's what people don't get. Um, like I don't. I don't hide anything. Um, well, I did. I guess I hit all that, right? But otherwise, um, anybody ask any questions anytime, I just kind of lay it out there for you. So, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I mean, the only thing I could tell you is he'll tell you he's not the best because it's been a few years, but he is a pretty good golfer. Yeah, not so much anymore. I don't play nearly enough, so... It is what it is. Um, well, I, I think we did what we set out. We set out to do what we we did what we set out to accomplish. I think so. I, I appreciate that. Um, so I'll be down in a little bit to talk about it tomorrow, and we'll go from there. Yep. Like I said, I uh, told him I didn't want to bore you guys and make you not want to listen anymore. But I thought it was a good time seeing that we have some more medical stuff it's coming up. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a good show tonight. I hope you enjoyed it. Take a few moments, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff. You know how to do it. I don't have to tell you. Just uh, be ready for next week. It'll be sooner than you think.
journalist, comedian, and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.